Coming to you from somewhere in the Fraser Valley, it's Left of the Valley with Kevin and Karen. Kevin flying solo for now, and uh, following the beat of uh, Natural Selection. And we've got two special guests here tonight with us. we got Ken Harar and Terry Stobert from Cycling for Diversity. Hey guys, how you doing? Hello, Kevin. Hello, Kevin. Nice to chat with you. It's always a pleasure. We're doing this uh, part two because uh, very the first one, the first time, I guess we didn't do it quite, quite right. So let's do a second one. Yeah. Thank you for coming once again. Yeah. We'd Glad love it. to be here. Yeah, we're so excited to be back. <laughs> Game show buzzer went off right away. <laughs> well, um, this is uh, we're uh, doing a, a, a show. Uh, this is a show dedicated to uh, positive atheism, uh, secular humanism, and uh, skeptical thinking. And the th- theme of our show today is uh, racism. So we're tackling racism with Ken Harar. Um, but uh, before we go on and do uh, uh, tackle our subject here, let's talk about uh, some of the few things that are going on in uh, in the area. You guys don't mind? No, no absolutely. Uh, first little story that's uh, kind of interesting. They found some fire ants in the area, apparently, especially in Chilliwack and Maple Ridge. Are you guys familiar with fire ants? Certainly. They hurt. <laughs> so I'm told. I'm told they have a nasty tendency to bite and sting. As long as they can make me cycle faster, that'd be great. <laughs> yeah, that's one good way. Escape the ants on your bike and do that for diversity at the same time. Yeah. Well, I certainly hope they don't show up in too many more communities because it sounds like a uh, an increasingly scary kind of a thing to be thinking about in your lawn or your in your backyard. Yeah, so people are saying to be quite careful with that. Apparently, they're quite sensitive and they have a tendency to swarm really quickly. So we'll see. And uh, they they suspect that they're simply being imported from back east somewhere among you know dirt and bags and stuff like that. So right. it just it just brings to mind that. I don't know which horror movie it was I was watching, but there was a swarm of red ants, mm-hmm. and it wasn't pretty. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's one of the classic Indiana Jones movement, you know? Anything in the creepy crawlies all over the place. <laughs> um, Abbotsford also had uh, has formed their uh, task force for the homeless. Uh, <laughs> you know, what to say about that, right? I mean, the first thing you notice is nobody that represents homelessness is actually on the force. And it seems that they have plenty of representatives from the uh, business association. Any comment on that, guys? Well, uh, uh, actually, as a former Abbotsford resident, um, I I do see a lot of uh, cause for concern. Uh, Task force have been formed since back as as far back as I can remember, 2006, 2004. Mm -hmm. And uh, they just haven't seemed to do anything but talk. As usual, so yeah. we could probably predict with some certainty, almost, that uh, we're going to have a nice task force that's going to come out with a nice report and basically do nothing. Well, that's I, my I prediction. Know that, uh, I know that when they were talking about the fact that the, the they turned down the transitional housing um, and they turned down seventeen million dollars, uh, actually more than that, but seventeen million dollars in building uh, help, um, they basically set us back another ten years. Oh goodness gracious! Yeah, yeah. and uh, in uh, Little Mission, um, have you you guys have probably heard that uh, Randy Hawes, the ex MLA for Liberals uh, for the region, and uh, apparently is not happy with the current mayor, uh, Mr. Ted Adlam, which is kind of funny because he actually helped put him there, and I was there for that actually. I remember that very well. And uh, now he apparently shot that uh, he might have to run for mayor, and uh, Mr. Adlam shot right back. So, you know, and uh, we actually have an audio clip here. 
We have an audio clip of uh, Mayor Adlam, and uh, we were asking him what was his uh, strategy to beat uh, Randy Hawes. Crush your enemies, see them driven before you, and they hear the lamentation of the women. Yeah, yeah, so, so. Apparently, that's his strategy. <laughs> All right, so let's get a bit more serious here. Uh, we're tackling racism here with you guys, and. Um, you know, first of all, uh, you guys are known for your cycling for diversity. I've seen your uh, your postings. It seems you guys are getting an award every second week. And uh, for our people that don't know what it is, go right ahead, guys. Explain it. What what is cycling for diversity? Well, cycling for diversity started in 2011. Um, after us being columnist now for 19 years, I decided that work needed to be done in the area of intercultural dialogue connecting different culture groups together, uh, if it's our youth, seniors, uh, various organizations, there was a growing gap that was being made here in the, in the, old, the last 20 years. In 2010, I wanted to go to a Christmas party in Surrey, and when I made the call to go to the party, the lady on the other side of the phone said, are you uh, East Indian? And I replied, yes, I am. My, my friend and I wanted to get some tickets, and she said, well, I'm sorry, we're not going to, we're not allowing any people from your background to this party. Well, I was uh, kind of thought it was uh, initially kind of funny at, at first. Now, let, let me get this straight. This 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 happened right here in Canada. This happened recently. Oh, yes. yes. Wow. Yeah, in uh, 2010. And so it wasn't too long ago. Um, and I told my friend, I go, well, she goes to get the tickets. I said, no, they're not allowing any East Indians at the party. Uh, That's few, amazing. Yeah, a few days later, it, it, it hit. Um, and this was not the first time it's, it's happened. Um, and it's happened. I, you hear it happening um, much more than it should be happening. And you read about in the local, in the province or the Vancouver Sun. There's people that want to go to a nightclub or a restaurant, um, and they said, "No, we know we don't want East Indians or other groups as well." At, you know, at their location. And you're being so, very graceful about that because you know uh, you haven't mentioned the name of the place, and I don't think I'd be that nice. No, well, it was a house party. It wasn't an actual location, but it was more of a house gathering. Mm. But it's happened at public locations as well, at the Sharks Club in Lang. I believe it, it, there's been other incidents as well mm -hmm. um, where people wanted to go and um, had some issues. Um, That's pretty bad. This day and age. You know, Ken could have could have gone the other route, and a lot of people, you know, using his columnist background, he could have he could have really gone out hard hitting after people well, and, absolutely, and yeah. being upset about it. But I think he did the positive thing. And, yeah. And I, I think he went to a different. He took the high road. Yeah, I just want to clarify. I'm not sure which location I was or Star Club. I mm -hmm. want to take that out. I, I'm not sure which location, but there was another restaurant somewhere in the Lane yeah. Surrey area. So yeah, I just yeah to we're, we're not we're not pointing to anybody. Right? No, exactly. I'm not yeah. sure which one it was. When we want to clarify that for the record. So, yeah. um, um, so, you know, I decided. You know, obviously, I wrote an article about it. Many people were very interested. It got some coverage in the, in the national uh, radio and other papers. Um, I just wanted to explain my point. What needed to be done. And I decided uh, more, you know, instead of writing in the paper about it, talking in the media, there need to be better mechanisms there to create that dialogue and, and connectedness. And that's how we thought about Psychic for Diversity mm. in 2011. And talked to a bunch of my friends and with their encouragement and our local community's encouragement in the Mission Abish area, 
from our leaders, business leaders and community leaders, uh, we've, we're doing Psychic Food Diversity now in our fourth year. And I think we've um, gained much ground on the topic of culture diversity, um, delivering messages to students. Uh, we do about 20, 20 to 30 student schools a year in the lower mainland. Um, and the response has been over the top. And uh, we are so grateful and humbled to be uh, doing this. Um, you know, it's a team effort. Everybody comes from different backgrounds. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, uh, and it's just, it's wonderful. We've met so many great people. Yeah, actually, it's just a very positive message, and you guys are doing that while biking at the same time, right? Yeah, it's it's great. I mean, you know, it's just um, biking is a great way to do it. It's a forward movement. It's 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 a, you know we're going forward. And we're connecting people together. You know, Kevin. The kids, so, the kids love it. Yeah. The kids really identify with yeah. it. Yeah. It's in great shape too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm looking at your quads there. Yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. afraid you might kick the table over to my <laughs> yeah, side. Yeah. Here. So, um, <laughs> you know, in some parts of the world, uh, people don't have vehicles. It's the mode of transportation. It's still bikes. Oh, absolutely. So that's how they connect in with their uh, villages. With neighboring villages, they go to the grocery store or whatever they, you know, to feed their families or. It's all done by bike. So why not do that? Why not connect our communities together through biking and talk about it? Um, you know, we have to ask ourselves um, and ask all the listeners, are are we, you know, we talk a lot about diversity here in Canada, mm-hmm. um, specifically cultural diversity. Are we talking about it more than actually we're celebrating it? You know, diverse, cultural diversity is not a weekend celebration at a, at a, at a multicultural event. Where everything looks perfect out there. But then everything, everybody goes home, you know, and we can see the, the cultural gaps, the divisions. Yeah. and the Go back to the routine. The okay. s- silos that people operate in. Hmm. And there's nothing wrong with that. Now, we're not trying to uh, say there's something wrong with that. But what happens is um, in the silos is that people only do certain things all day long that pertains to their own cultural group. And everything else is an outsider. And as we grow as a nation and population and our communities grow mm-hmm. over the next 20 to 50 years, we don't want to see uh, further challenges ahead of us. If parents are not talking to their kids about diversity and intercultural dialogue and the importance of it, um, then I think we're going backwards, in, in my personal opinion. And I think not just the talking to them, but actually showing by their actions. I mean, you know, I grew up in a racist household um, back in the Ochi Bunker days, and uh, some of the older viewers might remember those days, but uh, it was very much... Um, Why are you looking at me when you're saying older? <laughs> Is it because I just turned 40? Oh, some work, Alan. <laughs> anyway, uh, no, I just feel that, uh, you know, at some point... As adults in our communities, we have to say the buck stops with us. We have to be the change, and and we're not going to be the change if we don't if we don't put in action those words that we talk about. Mm-hmm. So essentially, you guys are basically hoping that people stop doing the feel good moment yeah. and adopt it as their lifestyle. You know, right? Okay. You know, we're here to celebrate and talk about the greatness of culture diversity. That's what enriches our community here at Mission or Abbotsford or Canada, mm-hmm. right? We're n- not everybody has the same opinion, and, and that's what we're saying. If you, you have your right to your own opinion, but open up your mind and your home to somebody else's opinion. Be open-minded enough to accept that not everybody's going to agree on the same thing. 
Yeah, exactly, right? You know, yeah. we're just, uh, you know, culture diversity, this is how our communities were built. Mm-hmm. You know, the Japanese community was a big community here in Mission. Absolutely. You know, and the South Asian community, the First Nations community. The Mexican community. The Mexican there's community, there's lots yeah. lots of different uh, ethnic cultures that exist in our community. Yeah. But who do we predominantly support out there? Yeah. Who do we predominantly put out there as the, as the visible person mm-hmm. sure. of our community. Yeah. You know, the Hutterites were big here at one time, you know, in Mission as well, right? So we have, you know, Mission has a very diverse, the Fraser Valley is very diverse in its background. A lot has to do with farming. You know, that's how many of these cultural groups settled here because of the farming. Yes. And, um, you know, it's, 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 it's wonderful. Um, you know, I'll tell you an interesting story, Kevin. A few weeks ago, uh, sorry, early in the year, somebody uh, said to me, he goes, you know, Ken, you talk a lot about diversity in the paper, and you're kind of known as a as a cultural diversity figure mm-hmm. in, in a lot of the activities I do, but why is it that you can't speak your own um, uh, language of origin, Punjabi? Hmm. And I was kind of taken back from that <laughs> a little bit. You know, here I am, you know, born and raised in a mission, very proud of it, and can't speak. Uh, I can um, understand it when somebody's talking to me, but I can't speak it fluently back. Um, or and I can't I can't read it as well. Okay. But we come from a generation of uh, South Asians that didn't really, you know, our parents wanted us to connect with the mainstream community, right? Mm-hmm. So we they didn't focus on teaching us too much Punjabi at that time. Mm-hmm. But things are changing now. It's nice to see young kids learning. They a lot of these young kids today know Punjabis, you know, South Asians. Uh, they keep their traditions, um, their you know the turban and all that stuff. Uh, that's wonderful. Mm-hmm. That's encouraging because when we were growing up, we were not so much encouraged to do that because of the sh- discrimination factor at schools. Mm-hmm. People, you'd be teased at schools. My my real name is mm-hmm. Colwinder. Mm-hmm. That's my real name. My grandma named that after me. But uh, you know, my mom and dad were worried that going to school that would uh, affect how kids would pick on you pick, well, what, what kind yeah. of name is that so my nickname is Ken but just don't call me Kenny but Ken is fine <laughs> Ken, actually, you know, Kenny's I, not good huh? no no, no. <laughs> but you know I really prefer actually if people if people call me Coinder, I love it I, but you know when I was growing up even uh, even 10 years ago or 15 years ago I probably wouldn't want that but actually I love it I think it's it's fantastic I'll try to remember that call me Coinder. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm more than happy Coinder or Ken but not Kenny Okay, cool. Winter, like, like, how would you spell that? K U L. Okay. W I N D E R. D E R. Okay, okay. Uh, perfect. I totally remember that. Yeah. Hold on. Let's. That's my Punjabi roots, right? That's that's who I am. And right? actually, so, yeah. it was funny when I was learning a little bit about the Punjabi culture. I found it interesting that, like, I always look at the origins of names, and quite often family origin or, or hierarchy of names, so named a certain thing, and, and it's still it's still a bit of a puzzle. I'm still learning, but mm-hmm. it's, it's fascinating to me. Uh, something I wanted to mention about Ken, about years ago, that's exactly what they encouraged people who came in through immigration, was to suppress your culture, adopt the Canadian way. There's a lot of older folk that still believe that. Yes, absolutely. And so there is a lot of discrimination and racism still being practiced today because in in reverse, we see young families wanting to preserve their language and they want their children to grow up speaking another language. And so where is that fine balance where you have a balance where you respect your own and someone else's culture but yet you want to preserve, you want to have the Canadianized version of 
of what we represent. Yeah, that reminds me of a story that I was talking to. Uh, I, I really hate to use the, the, the Indo-Canadian thing because uh, I've been using that forever and I thought it was very respectful until, you know, I had a gentleman of Asian, South Asian descent, I guess, uh, basically tell me, he says, you know, I'm third generation. Uh, when am I just going to be a Canadian and not just an Indo-Canadian, right? And, and that struck me as, you're right, you're absolutely right. I couldn't disagree with that. Yeah. You know, the trick of making diversity work better for families is finding balances. Mm-hmm. When you have balances, it'll work better. Like I said earlier, is that I hardly ever rarely see people from different cultural groups, I'm not picking on anyone in particularly, walking together in my, in my daily routines. We need to see more of that mm. if we're going to be if we're going to ex- experience that connectedness. Like I said, it's not a multicult weekend at the, at the fair. It's about being friends at the restaurant, going out with them. Um, it's about finding balances. If people find the balances, you'll see diversity working better. And that's what I usually do in my lifetime is finding balances. I have a, I have people from all kinds of backgrounds that I do things with because mm-hmm. they play tennis, I mm-hmm. play soccer, I you know I do lots of different things with. So I don't my focus in the morning I don't look at the mirror and say well you know what I'm Indo Canadian this is what I have to do today. It's go up there and I experience a lot of different things. Hmm, awesome. Um, all right. Well, uh, sorry guys, I don't want to interrupt, uh, but Liam just walked in the room here, and uh, since he's got to go, he's quickly going to do. His science segment, Liam, you still with us? Yes, I am. Perfect. Floor is all yours, good sir. All right. So uh, today, the science segment, uh, we're going to be talking about a team of American scientists who on uh, March 17th announced that they had found some uh, very good proof that uh, cosmic inflation is in fact uh, true. Uh, cosmic inflation, of course, is the uh, hypothesis that uh, the the universe expanded very rapidly at, at the very f- beginning of its existence, within the first like trillionth of a trillionth of a second, uh, before slowing down to its current rate of expansion. Uh, and cosmic inflation was predicted in the 80s because they they realized that if you take the current rate of expansion of the universe and uh, kind of narrow it down into a V, like getting smaller and smaller into the past, you end up with the the time when all the matter in the universe was at the same spot being far further in the past than we think the universe is old. Uh, so they figured that to make up for that, it had to get really big, really fast at the beginning. Hmm. And uh, so they've they figured out now that you can see in an old, old light from the beginning of the universe that uh, the the light waves themselves, the polarization of them has been twisted as if they'd, they'd been hit by some sort of wave. So you're saying it's a bit like uh, somebody paddling and uh, the paddle hits the water and makes a swirl, right? Yeah, just just like that. So they figured that that was caused by gravity waves that were expanding out uh, from the creation of the universe from the Big Bang that hit this light and kind of twisted it around. Oh, nice. Nice. So I also saw that apparently the, uh, the gentleman that predicted that, uh, the, there's a video, I don't have it here unfortunately, uh, that uh, one of his students came to his door, he's since retired, of course, and uh, announced that uh, he was right. And uh, there was quite an emotional response, actually. Uh, you know, like, humble, but emotional nonetheless. And must have been very gratifying for this gentleman to uh, finally, uh, you know, come to the realization, yes, in his lifetime, his theory was proven correct. Yeah, no, and, and it was really nice for him, because when he first came up with the idea, everyone kind of laughed at him, because he had no proof. It was just kind of a crackpot idea. But... 
now. It's been pretty well proven true. So hmm. how old was he when he said that? I'm not sure. Not too old, like 30s maybe. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of validation there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it must be. You know, and uh, kind of put his place in the history books to show him. Yeah. All right, well, thank you, Liam, and uh, we'll go to the commercial now, and we'll see you later. Did you ever wonder if there's more to life than what is in the holy books? Do you think you can be good without God? Would you rather think skeptically than rely on blind faith? You are not alone. You are not alone. You are not alone. Dude, you're not alone. You're not alone. You are not alone. You are not alone. Join us at the Fraser Valley Atheists, Skeptics and Humanists. Be amongst friends. Find us at fvash.com. All right, and we're back. And uh, Karen joins us finally. Hi, Karen. How you doing? Hello. <laughs> Welcome back. <laughs> yeah, Karen was uh, actually on a mission. You know, uh, she was out there uh, fighting a good fight, I guess. A mission. Yeah, weren't a you? Mission to get my daughter's finger bandaged at the doctor's. <laughs> you sure did, you you could have said something. You know, it's a podcast. Nobody knows. You could have said something better. You know. Mm. Oh, I'm I'm sorry. I just came back from converting souls in I don't know yeah. Uganda. <laughs> All right, she was on a mission. I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right, we're here with Ken Harar and Terry Stewart. We're talking about racism. Um, you know, since Karen is here, and I thought you guys would probably get a kick, you, you guys feel like you want to let your hair down a bit and do something fun? Yeah. Sure. All right. <laughs> and we're all feeling very on the spot. Like, oh, no, what is he on plan? Yes. Uh, you know this music. You know what this means. We either have a debate or a quiz, which this time it's a quiz. And we have Ken and Terry going to face off against Karen. This should be fun. <laughs> Karen, I had no idea I was going to do this. I had to hide it from her. <laughs> All right, well, since our pop quiz deals with racism, let's go and see what we can find out about racism. All right, this is about uh, racism in Canada, obviously. Um, and this is from Stat Canada. And this, is, uh, this one comes in 2006. What was the percentage of the population belonging to a visible minority? Was it A, 16%, remember 2006, B, 25%, 33%, or 41%? 33. 33? 16. 16. I think 33 as well. <laughs> oh, Terry, you have it right. It is 16. <laughs> Visible minority. This is 2006. Of course, these numbers are better today. I think it's higher now. Oh, of course. Yeah. It had to be. Question two. What percentage of citizens believe that immigration has a negative impact in Canada? Which province are we talking about? Well, this we'll talk about in Canada. All, all Canada wide. All of Canada. Okay, so 67%, 56, 46, or 35? 35. 35. 35, okay, I'll go with the, the crowd. Yeah, jeez, you guys are all losers. Well, actually, you, you're partially right. You're partially right. 35% is what Quebec and BC said. Yeah, 
and it's the lowest in Canada. But the real number we're looking for across the board in Canada is 46 percent. That's a nasty statistic. I don't like that. Yeah. Yes, but that, that number is growing down as the older generations die. So. so in the 17th century, more than half of Canadian slaves were black. True or false? Sorry, can you repeat the question? In the 17th, 17th century, century, more than half of Canadian slaves were black. Okay. True or false? In the 17th century, Canada wasn't a country. It, that's the 1600s. We're still definitely a colony. Yeah, <laughs> I guess so. Good point. Um, <laughs> I would say yes. I say no. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have an One of you has it right. One of you has it right. <laughs> Actually, it's false. They were Aboriginal. Okay. okay, next question. There's only two more left, guys. What year did Lieutenant Governor of Upper Canada, John Graves Simcoe, pass the Act Against Slavery? 1699, 1834 or 1901? Act Against Slavery? That's right. What was, the, what was the second last number you said? 1834. I think that's my answer. That's my answer, too. Sure. And it gave gradual emancipation to existing ones. Oh, yeah. But it was only made illegal and outlawed in 1834. Ah, interesting. Um, final question. When was the Federal Act changed so that race is no longer ground for exclusion in an election? A. It never happened. <laughs> B. 1901. C. 1967. D. 1948. 1948. 1948. <laughs> <laughs> no pressure. Okay, okay, just to just because I'm being like that tonight. <laughs> that I don't think that probably by the time we actually wrote the Charter of Rights and Freedoms, it probably never was in there. So I don't think it. I don't think you had to. We ever had to rewrite a law. I don't. I think it was written after. You know, that would have been. So you saying? So so what are you saying? Are you saying that it? it I said it never happened. The first answer. Sorry, Karen. These two were right. It is 1948. <laughs> but we had to wait till 1968 to decriminalize homosexuality. And that was our quiz. Congratulations. You survived. That is the last time. But Ken, I believe you, you had a bit of a story with that, uh, that, that date, last, 1948. The last question, right? Yeah. So the extension of the franchise in Canada allowing minor, uh, minorities to vote... I think that was extended to Aboriginals, or maybe I'm not sure which groups they're extended to. But uh, uh, Mission has a very important part of that history because in 1950 um, it elected its first South Asian person to public office in Canada. Wow. So after 48, awesome. Mission kind of led the way, and I researched uh, Mr. Greywall's life extensively. His name was Narendra Greywall, and my father actually knew him. Um, and uh, he was elected to city council in 50, and he took a, bit, a big ad of the Mission City Record, thanking the citizens of Mission to elect the first, he term at that term, that, that, at that time, Hindu, first Hindu to public office. Wow. And, uh, and that was a great accomplishment for our uh, town at that time, Mission City. Mm -hmm. and, um, and then he later became, did a few years as a, uh, on the commission, they called the commissioner back then, a commissioner, which is equivalent to city council. 
Um, and then he later became mayor in 54. They appointed him as mayor for one year. So he was um, chairman of the board, as they called it back then. Mm-hmm. And then he did one year, and then he ran for the CCF party in 1956, again making him one wow. of the uh, few candidates to, from a visible minority background to, to run for a political party. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the beginning of the NDP. Yeah, yeah. way back. So, so um, yeah, you know, he was uh, um, he was um, he operated a lot of um, mills in the local area in Mission. Mm-hmm. Uh, wonderful person, uh, philanthropy, gave a lot of stuff back to the community. Um, he lost in the '56 provincial election uh, to Lyle Wicks, Wicks, who was also a cabinet minister in the Sokrat government. He was a labor minister. Um, there's questions about the voting stuff. They, they say that he could have won or, you know, and then in 57, he was found dead in the Seattle motel room. Oh, no. So what happened wow. there? Yeah, so he was protesting, he was protesting uh, W.C. Bennett's forcing, uh, forced, you know, logging uh, rights. Wow. Logging, uh, how, how they're awarding contracts to the big companies. And, uh, no, wait a minute. Government? Awarding contracts to big companies? You yeah. sure about that? <laughs> so, did, so was it uh, suspected foul play? Is that um, what happened there? Uh, they said they turned it suicide. But you know, they talking think. to his family and his daughter, they say you know we don't believe in that because they spoke to him earlier that evening. Yeah. And he wasn't. No they would sp- be the ones who would know. Exactly. But at that time, the forensics weren't there, and they closed the case pretty quickly. But yeah. he, that was a big loss for our community at that time. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, he was a real uh, colorful personality, as a as a record term. That he had a lot of personality, gave a lots back, self-made wow. man, um, big loss. A but trailblazer for for yeah. Yeah. Wow. many reasons. Yeah, and he did. He was big. You know, he uh, yeah. So you know, he used to hang out with Tommy Douglas and all those guys. <laughs> they would move across wow. the country and talk to people. And uh, but uh, him and Bennett, very quickly in the last note here, yeah. um, uh, fought at the Legion. Uh, Bennett was coming in the '56 election, and Mission City was was a was a big part was a big stop at that time on election tour, because the mills were the big mills were here. And the train, train, yeah. New Westminster and Mission City were the two big cities outside of um, Vancouver to you know to where the votes were. If you look at the voting pool, Mission City was uh, had a lot of votes coming out of Mission. Mm. Oh. So, uh, um, and uh, Bennett was speaking here in '56 in September of '56, and Bennett confronted him on the stage. Wow, um, and they call you know, and it was just a fascinating story because you don't see that today. No, everything, no, no, everything's exactly. so scripted, right? Yeah, it would be so much more interesting. <laughs> yeah, so Bennett was speaking, and Gurewal was outside in the in the thing with his supporters, and it was a social credit meeting, and then um, he uh, stormed on the stage, and then Phil Gillardi and uh, and uh, um, Bennett and all those guys got in a tussle. And it was, in, and I did all the research on that. I seen the Vancouver sent all the articles. It was just fascinating, a wonderful history. When politics yeah. was, a gel, was a gentleman's sport or or ladies' sport, obviously, yeah. and yeah. not the bloodbath it is today. Yeah. So they had to take Bennett. They had to escort him out at the back of the Legion, where now it's a fitness center, right? That's right. That's right. <laughs> where you work out at at the top there. <laughs> right? You used to work out in there yeah, too. Exactly. So they had to escort <laughs> him out. Bennett was there. Yeah, escort him out of the back, and basically get him out of mission as fast as possible. Oh, wow. So. Well, uh, this, now, this bit of history was brought to you by Ken Harar, Terrace Award, <laughs> and the Psychic for Diversity Group. <laughs> yeah. That's fascinating. That oh. should be a better-known story. That's yeah, I have written about it on at least a dozen or more times, but you can never, I can never stop talking about it because yeah. people are fascinated. Yeah, it is fascinating. And yeah. um, great visionary for, for our mm-hmm. town. 
and uh, very proud. There's actually a Gary Wall Street called the Mission off mm-hmm. of uh, State Lake, which I work with uh, the local council. And they were very surprised. They said, when we talk about diversity, people go, oh, we had an East Indian mayor. People are very shocked at that. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. we're part of the community as well, and we have great community leaders that can uh, do the job. And here was Gary Wall, probably one of our best mayors we had mm-hmm. in terms of... The, the tree forest license, the, 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 the tree farm, the mission? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was the, he he, was the one who instituted he is, it. Yeah, and that brings in millions and millions of dollars every year to um, different organizations. Because wow. they wanted to protect small loggers. And he, uh, op- so the government could uh, award contracts to small so they can have work. Mm-hmm. But that's how it started. Wow. Oh, yeah. That was a, a really good foresight on his part. He was really yeah. looking into the tree the farm is is basically it, it's it's his 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 vision. Yeah, you know That's it's just uh, so and he was the biggest logging operator mill owner in the area, and uh, mm-hmm. so he yeah. That's fascinating. Did he also have anything to do? I, I don't know his uh, his religion, but he have any. There is a fairly old temple in the back skirt of Mission there, right by uh, not Stave Lake Road there, but. A you mean a duty there? Yeah. That's that's not a, that's, that's, that's not a Sikh temple. That's um, oh, I thought it was. No, that's um, it's oh. something different. Well, I'm an atheist, so they don't allow they yeah. don't allow me that. They well, shoot it's, on site. It's gold on top. There's a little building, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know exactly what yeah it's right by the uh, daycare there. Cedar Cedar Valley there. Yeah, yeah something yeah. like that. So, well, you know, Karen, well, since we got you here, you want to do your uh, your uh, this day in history segment? Sure, why not? All right. Well, from uh, was it April first, April twelfth? Mike's all yours. <laughs> well, we have a mixed bag today. <laughs> we'll be all over the map. So, um, day in history, April 1st, 1933. Uh, I think we can probably make some predictions based on that date. Uh, the Nazi persecution of Jews began in Germany with a boycott of Jewish businesses. And uh, I just want to note that everything that happened in Germany was done legally. I mean, maybe those laws were slightly in the way they were passed, but but it all began slowly and incrementally, and that's something that we should be very aware of today. I have reason to get involved in the politics. Mm-hmm. Uh, 1976, Steve Wo- Wozniak and Steve Jobs founded Apple Computers. Yay! 1979... I could really use one of those right now. Ayatollah Khomeini establishes Islamic Republic of Iran. Um... Uh, more recent history, on April 2nd, 2005, Pope John Paul II dies. Uh, <laughs> this one's awesome. I like this fact. April 3rd, 1860. This is six years before, or I should say seven years before Canada becomes a nation. The first Pony Express service began in the United States. And in 1882, the outlaw Jesse James is shot in the back by... Bob Ford. I know, not Rob Ford, <laughs> not the mayor. I know the mayor of Toronto does a lot, but it's not the same guy, okay? It, on a drunken stupor, probably. You need to bring Rob on the program here. Yep. <laughs> if he ever comes around this way, I will certainly invite him, but we won't do the show in this place. <laughs> uh, April 4th, 1949, NATO was born. Mm-hmm. North American oh, wow. Trade Organization. 1968. That's a very sad day in history. Martin Luther King Jr. is assassinated. Which, of course, we have a spot on him later on. Uh, Can't do a show on racism without talking about MLK, right? No, exactly, yeah. Uh, April 4th, 1983, Sally Ride becomes the first woman in space aboard the Challenger. Um, a 
Okay, I'm just going to put something else in there. I don't know all the facts about this. I can't remember, but I, do, I read about it a long time ago. That there was a space program based entirely around women. They were called the Astronauts. And they actually exceeded the men, the male astronauts, in almost every aspect. Certainly in the isolation, in zero gravity, they were far superior to the male astronauts. And then uh, they actually had a hearing about whether or not women should be allowed in space. And Neil Armstrong actually apparently laughed and said, we all know that women's place is in the kitchen. And I was the end of that program. Like that. That's yeah. a small step backwards for men. <laughs> 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 a giant leap backwards for mankind. <laughs> so, just an interesting tidbit to do more research on. Uh, April 5th, 1955, Winston Churchill resigned as Prime Minister of Great Britain. He resigned several times, didn't he? I don't know. <laughs> Frankly, I don't know that much about that history. Um, in April 5th, 1971, Canadian Fran Phipps is the first woman to reach the North Pole. <sighs> April 6th, 1830, Joseph Smith organizes the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in Fayette, New York. <laughs> Mormonism was born. <laughs> um, I can't read that. Sorry. Oh, modern. There we go. <laughs> 1896, the first modern Olympics. Held in Athens, Greece. Sorry. <laughs> Apparently my ring is not all the Greece. Uh, and 1948, on April 7th, the World Health Organization at the UN is founded. So that's very cool. 1974, in 1974, I was born. You were born. Happy birthday. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, You're too kind. Thing. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, I can't do it. Oh. The clapping thing. Yay. <laughs> the clapping thing. Oh. Can't do that. I still have the back to the background music going. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Oh, wow. Um, 1973, Pablo Picasso dies. April 9th, 2003, the U.S. Marines pulled down the statue of Saddam Hussein in Baghdad. I remember. I, I still remember that. that. What year was that? I watched that. 2003. Wow. Yeah, I watched that not yeah. that long ago. Yeah. You know what was funny about that is usually when they pull down a statue like that, there's usually a huge crowd. There was barely anybody there. You know, it's, it's like they made it, they tried to make it look like a big moment, but people saying, "Yeah, we don't care." Yeah, they had gotten through the whole moment before the statue. Mm. Yeah, it was uh, history in the making. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, April tenth, seventeen ninety, the U.S. patent system is formed. Wow. Eighteen sixty-six, the ASCA is chartered. You're gonna have to tell me more about that. What? ASPCA? Yeah, okay. <laughs> that's what that is. I'm like, okay. <laughs> what is that? Got it. <laughs> ASPCA was another form of a... Yeah, the ASCA. Uh, the ASCA. Uh, Everybody knows about the ASCA. <laughs> 1912, the Titanic says sail. The um, Titanic on the uh, fearful voyage. Yes. Um, we never look at ice the same way again. And we, we started out with 1933, the Nazi persecution of Jews began. Well, in 1945, April 11th, the Allies liberate, liberate the Buchenwald concentration camp. And 1945, April 12th, Franklin Roosevelt dies. 1955, the polio vaccine of Dr. Jonas Salk is called safe and effective. And uh, so much more than that. Yes, and the great thing about the Jonas Salk is that he never asked 
for compensation. He, ne- he never, by not patenting it, uh, they estimate he lost probably around six billion dollars. So it was a great gift to humanity True. itself. Tremendous. And in, on April 12, 1961, Yuri Gagarin, I think that's how you say it, yeah. is the first human in space and to orbit the Earth. Yeah, he's not just the first one in space, he's also the first one to orbit the planet. Yeah, that's, what I just said. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Is that it? That's it. That's it. Well, thank you, Karen. You know, before we get on to the next thing, you guys yeah. have a wonderful program, Karen and Kevin. You know, you should invite the, the, the community leaders who are listening today you got to come on this program because it's uh, it's a great uh, has a lot of potential to be fascinating for our local community. Thank you. No, well, thank I you. I think that um, I will give you your fifty dollars as soon as we end the show. <laughs> no, I'll just take this. Um, it's a great gift to humanity. How's that? I'll, 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 I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> wow. I'll just take it. As, I'll just take it. As, you know. I can't comment on that. <laughs> well, that was Ken ladies and gentlemen. All right. <laughs> What's next on the agenda here? Um, I guess I will we'll continue with uh, with Ken and Terry here. Um, where are you guys going now with uh, Psychic for Diversity? Where where what's the status of the the the, the venture you guys are on? Sure, well, Terry and I. You know, she's done a wonderful job. Uh, she's been helping him out. Well, we've been going out of Terry for uh, since about last August, and we've been doing uh, lots of different events. Uh, at least uh, you know one or two a month. Um, talking to kids. This last uh, November, we did an essay contest with the kids. We've been doing all the schools in Abbotsford and Mission. We've basically touched almost all the schools in Mission, except for one, I believe. That's Dudney out there. So uh, that's a great accomplishment for our little organization that we've touched a lot of kids. And that's a lot great. Of, yeah, a lot of kids recognize me. I'll be at the grocery store or the mom, and they were looking at me. Goes, mom, that's the guy in the bike. <laughs> <laughs> he comes to our school cool. and he got the and they have a really cool T-shirt. You know it's what I mean? the bike man. Yeah. yeah. So you know, it's just uh, it's really warming to hear that. And yeah. uh, you know, I was I feel that we have responsibility to do better, and um, we have, and with the help of Terry and many others who have uh, basically taking time out of their lives to uh, help us with that message. Um, and we're always learning too, Kevin. Let's remind ourselves, we don't have all the answers either, but we listen and we try to create that di- dialogue and break down if any barriers or any barriers are there. Um, and I think we have. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, get, I've got emails from parents who are on my Facebook page, but the, the, we visit our schools and they tell their parents, and I said, oh, yeah, he's on my Facebook page. So they'll email me privately or leave a message on my wall. You know, your my son came to me and said he really appreciated the message that you talked about. And that's coming from their parents on Facebook. So it's really neat how the message just goes round yeah. and what we and try to do. And it's all about planting seeds. And I think that's what we do when we talk to young people today. Um, a lot of times we, we don't have to tell them how it is. They know how it is. They're out there. They live it, right? And this is what we do tell them. We're not trying to tell you something new. Mm-hmm. We're just here to remind you to be nice to one another. Make friends with each other. Don't bully. Don't say nice things. It comes down to Bambi, you know. If you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all. And and th- these are the simple mes- messages that, that kids need to hear. Mm-hmm. And so when they hear and they see this team... And we have a great team. We have such a variety of people. Mm. How many um, people in your team? Well, this Roughly. year, this year we're looking between twenty and twenty-four. Oh, wow! Um, and that includes certainly drivers. not just you do them. It includes it includes drivers, mm-hmm. support people, because we don't just ride our bikes. 
We, uh, we have a team of car drivers. Uh, we have a cargo van for the bikes. That we're, because there are some places where it's not safe to ride. So we bundle everybody up, we put them in the van, we drive to the next safe spot, and we go to the school. You know, you guys ever thought of getting one of those really gigantic bikes where you can put 40 people in? <laughs> yeah, you, 40 people on the bike and just drive that down the road? Yeah. I mean, you're I sure to stop everybody there. Yeah. I don't know. But, yeah. but it's really impressive when you see this team of people cycling, and quite often in, uh, in cities that are, are a little bit more um, traffic-oriented, we have escorts uh, p- with the police. And they, we've got the light, lights going, and we got the cyclists. And we have one fella, Carl Windersing, and he is not a cyclist; he's a motorcyclist. So he brought, he came out one time last year to wave everybody off, and just kept on coming along with us. And that was just a kind of a fun moment, right? That's not a bad so idea, you know. Have, we have a real range of of young people that speak about their their uh, journey. Uh, we have a range of older people that speak about their experiences. We have school trustees, we have city councils, we have um, uh, Deputy Chief of Police of Abbotsford joins us. Um, we have regular people, we have single moms, and so we all have similar messages, but it's great for these kids to see the team up there united as one big group. Mm-hmm. And so this year, we're, 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 we're hitting 15 cities uh, throughout the Lower Mainland. Mm-hmm. We start on the 20th. Even though Cycling for Diversity Week has been proclaimed by the province of BC uh, from May 18th to the 24th, 2014, our actual ride will start on the 20th in Mission at the Indian Friendship Center, and it will continue down through uh, communities such as Maple Ridge, all through um, uh, Pitt Meadows, that kind of thing. We're including uh, North Van, West Van, back into Vancouver, up through... Burnaby, New Westminster, Langley, Surrey. So you're doing like a big loop. To, yeah, a big loop. We also include Chilliwack for the first time this year. And so we're, we're trying to expand, um, but we have four days of, of great times with some great people, and it's all about bonding with the team. Absolutely. We have a great time. Yeah, Terry's done a wonderful job. You know, this is, um, her and I are basically doing a 10-man, ten 10-person ten job, and, <laughs> and we love it very much, and she's been great. You know, she's um, got a heart of gold, and I'm very grateful for her help and, and guidance, and we're, we're both learning how can we be more effective um, and like I said, it's the people who come out and volunteer their time to help us out. We wouldn't be here um, if it wasn't for them. So, yeah. um, And we're always looking for new riders that want to join us, even if it's part-time, one day, a couple days. Just let us know how, how you can kind of fit in. We can't provide bikes, unfortunately, but it is a volunteer-based uh, mm-hmm. organization. Um, it's not a non-profit at this, at this particular time. Although you asked earlier in the program where we're going with this. Mm-hmm. And so currently after this particular intense ride is finished, the rest of the year we're going to be focusing on building our foundation so that we have a nonprofit status, so that we can go after charitable donations in a much larger way. Yeah. And, and so we're always looking for donations, be, however small they may be. Uh, we sell T-shirts, hats, and mugs. Um, and so we just, it's little bits, and it, there's been a lot of really, really awesome people that have just 
stepped up and, and given us money. Yeah. And uh, we're so proud to be part of a team that's doing something positive for, for people. Yeah, absolutely. sure. Yeah. You know, during, during the second foot anniversary week from May 18th to May 24th, mm-hmm. as the province gave us a proclamation, we encourage people, whether it be in their neighborhoods, schools, workplaces, sports teams, to really reach out and connect with somebody outside their cultural um, identity. Um, when we were growing up, we're all fairly close, probably the same age. Um, uh, the pop, the population was very much different. You know, it was now we're very multicultural in most of the communities here in the province, um, and with that, sometimes comes challenges. Mm-hmm. We need to be connected. Um, like a uh, last year's ride, we I was on the ferry and as we we're heading over to Victoria that morning to start our ride last year. There was a school at the front of the ferry. And it was a school from, um, I won't mention the city that was in, so I'll leave that out of it. Um, and um, the, the class was predominantly one cultural group, except for small, you know, Caucasian people. I was, if I can say it like that, <laughs> you know, there was a few Caucasian people in the class. majority yeah. was belonged to one cultural group. So I asked the teacher, I said, would you mind if we just speak to the kids for a few minutes? She goes, okay, I should love that idea. She goes, bring a team up here, we'll have a presentation on the ferry. And and um, we're about an hour away from docking to Victoria. We had a 20-minute conversation. It went really well. The kids connected with us. Um, and then one of the one of the parents approached me afterwards. Said, "Can I have this word with you?" And I said, "No problem." Because what you say, what you said today, my daughter lives it every day, because she's excluded from activities because of her fellow students, because mm. they don't play with her, because she doesn't belong to the dominant cultural group Mm. in the class. Sure, there's few students that connect with her, but generally it's challenging for her. Mm -hmm. And I said, you know what? I'm sorry that you you have to deal with that. That's why we do this. And she goes, it's a great idea. So, I mean, yeah. that's a little thing we did. It's happened out mm-hmm. of the blue. We connected with something and we share that. And then that's not the first time I've, I've heard that. I've mm-hmm. heard quite a bit. Yeah. So we, that's, that's the main background of what mm-hmm. we do here is trying to encourage that. And, mm-hmm. uh, and a lot of times, you know, kids see the teachers on a regular basis. So these are familiar people. And so sometimes what comes out of their mouth, it's just by mm-hmm. road, right? And mm-hmm. like kids just kind of, yeah. oh, that's just my teacher speaking. But when you have a group of individuals that come in with different different um, sharing stories and, and different aspects of what uh, challenges might be, be it racism, discrimination, uh, LGBTQ issues, um, growing up in a, you know, like Ken said, in a challenging situation where you're predominantly mm-hmm. um, the minority. Um, and so t- just simply talking about this and, and easing kids' minds. One of, the, one of the things we like to talk about is, is my first ride was last year, and so they weren't too familiar with my public speaking and how I was going to approach these kids. And so I guess they, I didn't know about this until quite a bit later. They were all kind of like watching me, like, what's this, what's she doing? And I just went up to this one little girl and I said, hello, what's your name? And she told me, and I shook her hand, and I said, it's as simple as that. That's all it takes. Open yourself up, say hello to somebody, shake their hand, although today it's not cool to shake hands, I'm told. But, you know, at least 
open up yourself to 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 yeah to at least, at least fist bump else. these kids come on <laughs> oh people are so dramatic <laughs> <laughs> i'm with you on the handshake yeah. i'm totally there with yeah, you on that <laughs> i agree with ter- what yeah. terry did it was it was a wonderful simple message yes you know uh, diversity is a not a complicated thing we we think oh, well how can we do this you know we got to read a, a 200 page book to understand this whole mm-hmm. philosophy of diversity it's very simple and what terry did that day it just I think it was very moving to watch because kids understand that mm-hmm. and just go out and say hell to the person next to you and that's how simple it is it's not some you don't have to draw a line you know all in circles it's how diversity works just like you know trying to or connect or that with. there's a big rule book yeah you know so it's simple as that yeah. it's just connecting people together yeah. um, so and that's what we do and we do it and um, we're very proud to carry that message and so you should be yeah. It's interesting. Some of the middle school and high school students um, are a little bit different, of course, of, of an approach. Um, the handshaking thing still kind of works a little bit, yeah. but uh, it's, it's, they have more serious questions sometimes mm-hmm. that they approach us. And that can be challenging because we can't take it into the personal kind of thing, but we can share that, you know, in some way, shape, or form, most adults have been through something challenging. And, and we can relate to them. And it's just opening up the dialogue that, that mm-hmm. really makes a difference to them. There's been a lot of um, anti-bullying discussion lately, just after, you know, last year's suicide. And do you try, tie into that at all? Or is that kind of a, something that, that happens separately from you guys? Do you ever try to work in conjunction with the anti-bullying? Terry uh, has talked a lot about that on the ride. She kind of specializes in that area. So yeah. yeah. Um, the... the um, Amanda Todd, I mean, she, they have their own foundation and their own movement, mm-hmm. um, but uh, we do support the Anti-Bully Days. Uh, Ken has actually gone to um, some classrooms and... and he looks good in pink, too. Sorry. And promoted the whole connectedness. Like he said, we need to, we need to uh, work together. Excellent. Um, my personal experience involves... Um, I grew up hearing impaired. I'm 80% deaf in both ears. And quite often people would make fun of me um, because I didn't speak right. Mm. I didn't fit in. I was the odd one out. And so I, I faced that challenge a lot, and, and it hurt. It, mm. it, it was very um, challenging growing up and trying to let it kind of not bother me anymore. And I started to hide it, um, and I stopped talking about it. And so you become withdrawn. and. Uh, it wasn't until I was in my adulthood that I really started speaking up and saying, hello, I'm hearing impaired. It was almost like an AA meeting, hello, I'm hearing impaired, <laughs> you know. And it, but the the people would be like, I never knew. Mm. And, and so that's been empowering for me to be mm. able to share to the kids. You know, it took me 50 years to open up and say I was hearing impaired. And mm. what's so difficult about that? You shouldn't worry too much, Terry. I mean, most men are hearing impaired, but that's because we have selective hearing. <laughs> We're not going on that one, Kevin. It's <laughs> a whole different <laughs> program. It's, it's hard just to admit you're different. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't matter what the difference is. It's just a hard thing to admit sometimes. Yeah. And, and it's because it's a hidden disability, that, yeah. that's challenging. Yeah. Yeah. Being judged, right? right? Yeah. You know, people judge you and, you know, the category. They, they put limitations on that's you. That's right. Yeah. And that's what Hopefully. We, yeah, you know, we want to encourage people to be different. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. but don't yeah. be afraid to connect with one another right. to those differences. Yeah. You know, we're getting a lot of interest from around the globe, too. Good, um, good. You know, um, we've been giving out T-shirts to other countries and right. to uh, Kenya, right? Is it Terry? Kenya. Yeah, Kenya. And Uganda, we for different foundations, you know, the kids, you don't have much there, so... You know, we give uh, you know some T-shirts to kids, mm. different countries, and they hold it up, and they're supporting our team, they're supporting yeah, the message, yeah. and it's wonderful. And, and, and what's interesting for those kids to also recognize is that uh, racism isn't just in their country. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we are also in conversation with someone in R- Rwanda who deals with the 20-year aftermath of the mass killing. Mm. Okay, wow. and so That's he has children in his care as a soccer team. Um, that are orphans that grew up without parents. Their grandparents mm-hmm. uh, raised them. and But these kids were then transformed into child soldiers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so now these kids are trying to reclaim their youth. And this is a soccer program that this man has developed. And so he's made contact with Cycling for Diversity because he's very much um, supporting other people around the globe and one of the things that I would like to see is that youth supporting youth mm-hmm. and it doesn't have to mean that you're black, I'm white, he's a different color, he's brown, whatever. Mm-hmm. It means that we're supporting each other through tough times. Perfect. Yeah. Now we're going to go uh, move along here because we're all we're coming in one hour already. Wow. Time just flies <laughs> when you're having fun. Oh geez. So uh, we'll get into our segment that That's I read. That's our gift to humanity. <laughs> <laughs> We'll get into our atheist segment here. <sighs> i got to use the sound effect for that one. <clears throat> Brilliant Moments, brought to you by religion. I just love that. Uh, I've got, um, I'd certainly love to hear your opinion on that one, too. I've got three real quick, um, um, two I really want to talk about. The first one is, is so ridiculous, is um, Pat Robertson on his 700 Club apparently uh, made a stupid comment. No, no surprise there. He, um, I'm not even going to spend a whole lot of time on that one. He basically said, um, said on the show that Satan is behind homosexuality, and Jesus wouldn't have to save gay. So, sorry, would not have served gay, gay couples because, wait for it, they would have been stoned to death anyway. <laughs> now uh, you know I've, this is too easy. This is like shooting. Sorry. Oh, turn it down. I'm too loud. <laughs> Well, you know, this is too easy. It's like shooting fish in a barrel, this guy. But uh, I, I still wonder, does this show still play here in Canada? And if it does, it should just be removed from the air. Um, number two, uh, have you guys watched the new Cosmo series? You yes. have not? Yeah, okay, not. you have. Fabulous. Okay. <laughs> I have not. Oh, well, you know, shame on you. <laughs> but you will from now on, I'm sure. I'm too busy with second for anniversary. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you are far too busy for TV. I probably believe that. By the time it's in, I have Well, they've rebooted the series, and the stars Neil deGrasse Tyson. It plays at Sundays at 9. And there's this little city in Oklahoma, and the headline says, Oklahoma protesters threat to SECD, which is, I guess, secede for the union, from union if Neil deGrasse Tyson's cosmos is not cancelled. And these these people are quite serious. Uh, of course, uh, what we're talking about here, we are talking about the uh, usual conservative Christian right, right? Okay. Yeah, they they li- they like to create a mess. So. Yep. I like to play that theme for them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love your music, Kevin. Oh, thanks. Just, uh, Good choice. Bri- it's, it's brilliancy. <laughs> <laughs> no, I wouldn't go that far. 
So, so basically, these these furious par- furious parents of uh, citizens of Oklahoma took to the streets early Thursday, protesting against Neil deGrasse Tyson's Cosmos. They alleged the show is blatantly promoting anti-creationist agenda as standing against the Judeo-Christian mores and values of the Saddleback Township community and others nationwide. Mm. Um, when the first show aired, and uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson had a quick spot on uh, evolution that lasted about, I don't know, 30 seconds, they omitted to air that, and they said it was a mistake. Now I guess these people have revealed their true colors, and they just don't want it to happen. So, uh don't know if you guys had a statement you want to make about something like that? I'm pretty neutral on it, so yeah. Well, okay. I'm just I'm just going to shoot it from the hip. Surely we have more important things to do than worry about this kind of stuff. Absolutely. I totally agree with you. But they should also realize that they say that their rights are being trampled, but if they are trying to remove a TV show that someone put together and produced and has facts for, then they're trampling someone else's rights. They can't just have it their way. They have to have equal rights for everyone. It's also the same thing that's happening at the Trinity University right here, which I didn't have uh, enough time to prepare the information, but we'll use that for next. But, you know, a lot of uh, that kind of thinking in a small city can be also referred to in a local area in Abbotsford uh, that, you know, they they have the same type of thinking. Yeah. Yeah. They, they they don't think globally. They don't think their kids are going to go out into the brand new world and, and have to to uh, experience it. They they just think very small, um, small-minded. Yeah, so absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And my, my third one, real quick. Um, this woman right here, this book I have, is uh, written by Ayan Hirsi Ali. Okay. Uh, she's uh, been hailed as basically a uh, female Martin Luther King of this age. Uh, she escaped Islam, and um, she was supposed to receive a honorary degree from uh, Brandeis University in Massachusetts. I'm hoping I'm saying this right. Brandeis, Brandeis, and uh, they announced they, they, uh, this week that they are canceling the plans to give her this award because she speaks out against Islam, and an Islamic group protested, and they basically decided to cower. Um, This kind of makes me angry. This woman walks around with an armed guard almost all the time. Um, She escaped uh, Islam, and it's a a very good book. I'm not not through all all the way yet, because I'm a slow reader, but it's a a very, very good read. And um, there was a a few events... she was born Somalia and all that. And there was a few uh, events many years ago where she uh, she helped create a movie about Islam. Uh, from uh, there was a film producer Theo Van Gogh that decided to produce the movie, and uh, he was killed on the set by Islamic uh, extremists. And uh, apparently, he, uh, a note was left on his chest saying, "She's next." And this woman still goes out there every day with armed guards to speak against this atrocious thing that should not exist in this day and age, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, you guys, it's it's not, I'm not sure if it, it falls into a racism, but it's pretty close, so I don't know if you guys had a, a thought about that. Well, she's definitely a leader, and uh, good for her for standing up for that, mm-hmm. and I think she definitely deserves that honorary degree, and uh, she's definitely a role model to many people, you know, women and, and everyone in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think people who... Um, suffer persecution for their beliefs and, and standing up for others. I think 
we as humanity can raise them above a piece of paper from a university. Mm. So kudos to this woman for being a brave leader, um, a brave female leader, mm-hmm. no less. Yes. And um, same on the university. Absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I don't want to go too long into this, but it's a very good book. It's called Infidel. You should really pick it up. Um, and uh, I, can't, I can't help but uh, this happens. All three of these stories happen in the United States. Once again, our neighbors to the south, right? But it's easy to point fingers and be complacent. That doesn't... No, no, of course. It could happen here, too, right? We have to work hard to make sure it doesn't happen here. It's when you become complacent that those things do happen. That's a, you know, that's a very important point. I think, can I just continue off on that? Yeah. And that's what we try to do in diversity. And that's what we've kind of done here in, say, the lower mainland. We've become complacent. We've stopped talking about building bridges. Mm-hmm. And that's why we're seeing these cultural gaps. The province, I'm not sure if you read this, Kevin and Karen, mm-hmm. Terry, I think you might have, um, they did a two-week two week series. Um, on this cultural divide that we're facing in some of the lower mainland municipalities. And Cycling for Diversity happened to be part of that. Mm. As part of the last story, almost the last page. Yes, I do remember seeing that. As the way to connect people together. Excellent. And I was very honored to do that. Yeah. And I was uh, very thrilled and they were very happy. They came out and took pictures. and, and um, Awesome. So, yeah, we have come complacent here. Yeah. And that's what we're doing. We're trying to backtrack now where we should have been doing that. And it's, it's nobody's fault. We're not pointing fingers at anybody. Mm. But everybody has responsibility. Mm-hmm. You know, reach out and make that difference and say hello. Yeah. And, and, yeah, and if, you know, it's just, yeah. Okay. I think, the, forgive my ignorance, but it, it, uh, some of the comments about this day in history reminded me of a poem that was written, um, and you probably will vaguely remember this. You're not going to um, spout poetry on this show, I are am. you? So, um, no, but I encourage that. The, you argued, uh, <laughs> you didn't defend me, and they came for me. Um, you didn't defend this, and they came for those people, uh, um, and, and it's a big, famous poem, and I cannot remember because it's late. Yeah, they, but anyway, <laughs> yeah, they made uh, it to so, a meme, I believe. But I think that's the, that's the mentality that we're, we're coming into, is that slowly and slowly, we're expecting everybody else to stand up for us, yes. instead of standing up for ourselves. Yes, I agree yeah, with and completely. Pe- way too many people don't stand up unless it affects them directly, personally. Exactly. You know, and really, at that and point, you might be standing by yourself. Yeah. Exactly. And, and then who is left to protect you? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's, you know, if, if we can in some small way change, one person at a time change, one adult, plant seeds in children's minds, that's what we're about. You know, you know, another thing, Kevin, is you know, and um, is that you know, we're all have we all have our own biases. We all do. So it's a, it's, a, it's important to reflect too. We encourage that to, to reflect. Like, I mean, you know, I'm not perfect. Terry's not perfect. No. We have our own sometimes qualities or biases we need to, to overlook or need to change. Mm-hmm. So we'll learn about um, and educate you know, ourselves. You know, we're always developing the person that we want to become, right? right. So we're always changing and trying to think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, I guess we couldn't do a show on racism without talking about Martin Luther King Jr. Um, I got notes. You want to do this, or you want me... Go ahead. Okay, perfect. Well, you know, like I said, the good doctor is in the house. I have a dream. My four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream... Yes, 
the good doctor, Martin Luther King. Uh, we try to do a, a, a spot on somebody that's worth following every time because I think too many people are checking out Paris Hilton and they should be checking out intellectuals and people that should really are worth following. And Martin Luther King is certainly one of them. Uh, he was born January 15, 1929. Of course, he's best known for his role in the advancement of civil rights using nonviolence and civil disobedience. He was born Martin King, but his father changed his name to honor Martin Luther. Um, he led the 1955 Montgomery bus boycott in Alabama. Uh, this is the incident after the famous incident after Rosa Parks refused to move. Uh, the blacks decided to boycott the buses until they were granted the right to sit anywhere on the bus. So Kim uh, King King became a president of the Montgomery Improvement Association and created a private taxi plan. To help people get to work. Now, these were they were asking um, more well-off black people that had cars to basically carpool and pick up other black people at certain designated spots, bring them to work, take them back, you know, uh, to effectively boycott. Um, in response, because apparently it was illegal to organize a boycott, um, whites decided to bomb his house on January 30th. And uh, he was indicted to pay $1,000 on charges of an old law prohibiting boycotts or spend 386 days in jail. Um, the boycott affected downtown businesses so much that they tried negotiating but failed. And on November th uh, 13, 1956, the Supreme Court of the country upheld a federal court uh, ruling declaring segregation on bus unconstitutional. 1962, Martin Luther King organized a non-violent protest in Birmingham, Alabama. Uh, that's the one you usually see with the water cannons and the dogs barking. You know, it attracted national attention because of the brutal uh, police response. 1963, Martin Luther King organized the March on Washington, where he delivers his I Have a Dream speech that we just heard. J. Edgar Hoover of the FBI considered him a radical and opens an FBI file on him. They investigate possible communist ties, extramarital affairs. The FBI apparently mails, now this is allegedly, mails uh, a letter, an anonymous letter uh, to MLK, and uh, he interprets the letter as an attempt to make him commit suicide. Of course, he says, no way. October 14, 1964, uh, he receives a Nobel Peace Prize. Um, and then he tries to expand his campaigns to include poverty in the Vietnam War. In 1968, he was playing a national uh, occupation of Washington, D.C. Uh, it was supposed to be called the Poor People's Campaign. And unfortunately, that's when he was shot, April 4th, in Memphis, Tennessee, by James Earl Ray. Of course, after his death, many, many riots in U.S. cities followed his death. And the rumors uh, started sprouting that his killer was framed or acted with government consent. Uh, he was awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom and the Congressional Gold Medal after his death. And Martin Luther King Day is usually around January 20th. It began in 1971, but it becomes a federal holiday in 1986. A couple of quotes from the good doctor here. In the end, we will remember not the words of our enemies, but the silence of our friends. The ultimate measure of a man is not where he stands in moments of comfort and convenience, but where he stands in times of challenge and controversy. And that was a good doctor. You need to learn more about him. And it falls exactly to what we were saying. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, good. yeah. 
like you're talking about you have to stand up for yourself. That's exactly what Rosa Parks did. She just refused. She wasn't expecting anyone to fight for her. She just no. said, well, I'm not going to do this. I'm this done. Yes. Yeah. And then the great thing about that is that Martin Luther King and the community rallied around her and found a positive solution to the problem that they were having and sure. yeah. moved forward, made a huge step forward. But it affected so many thousands and thousands of people from that point on. Mm-hmm. You know, it's funny, you read the dates and, I, and I, I'm and i thinking, okay, how old was I then and how old was I there? And, and it's really interesting to note that a lot of very um, influential people about peace movements and, and the rights of other people um, in this century, in this the 19th, 19th? Is it the 20th century? I never figured that one out. You're out of your century. In the 1900s. 19th way. Same thing. In the 1900s, we we had a lot of uh, people. um, Even in Canada, we had Nellie, who was the the founder of a a women's rights and being able to vote. I mean, she... Oh, uh, Nellie McClung, you mean? Yeah, Nellie McClung. I could not remember her name. Um, But she, she... my daughter did a report on her, and it just made me remember I did a report on her when I was a young <laughs> kid, too. And so I think we need to remind our kids that before yeah. us, as as people that they know, there were people before us mm-hmm. shouting for those very reasons and shouting for those very rights. And we have to keep the fight up. We can't stop. Mm-hmm. Indeed. True. Well, we're coming close to the end of our show. So I guess it is you know, time. I think, you know, instead of having your show, care, uh, Karen and Kevin, you should have a DJ show because some of the music he plays here, <laughs> I think you would be, I would definitely listen to your radio. I mean, I, I think you do a great job as a radio host, but I think a DJ is not a, a bad gig there too, Kevin. <laughs> uh, well, you know, I actually did a bit of DJing when I was a kid, and that was so long ago when everything was on vinyl. Well, some of my music is pretty good. <laughs> we're showing our age here. We're playing old music. Yeah. <laughs> it's classical, right? It's really? Well, not it's that really old. Classic. Start playing Mozart. That's really? Yeah. Start playing Mozart here. Cleaning this classical. All right. As we came on the anniversary of MLK Jr., I can't help but feel that we still haven't learned the lesson that was offered by simple observation eons ago and confirmed by science in February 2001. The Human Genome Project was an international scientific research project with the goal of determining the sequence of chemical-based pairs which make up human DNA and of identifying and mapping all of the genes of the human genome from both a physical and functional standpoint. It remains the world's largest collaborative biological project and told us that what any toddler already knows, skin color means nothing and we're all brothers and sisters. Human cousins like Homo neanderthalis and Homo heidenbelgensis, I hope I got this right, are extinct today, which leaves the chimpanzees and other great apes as our closest living relatives. There never existed a Homo sapien africanus or Homo sapien europeanus, so why does the myth and that's just that, a myth, of different races survive until today. Why has racism perversed every part of our society to the point of being mundane and even accepted as a fact of life by most? The culprit is so obvious, religious belief and its impact on culture. Now before you call your local exorcist or issue a fatwa against me, consider the simple account of Genesis in the Bible. I've got to use my God voice here. <clears throat> God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in numbers. Fill the earth and subdue it. 
Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. So, where's the link with racism, you ask? Although our differences are only skin deep, it was enough for most uneducated masses to see those differences as indications that different meant not human. And since the top dog, God, commanded you to rule over every living creature, it also meant ruling over your not-quite-human and more primitive neighbors. Enter racism and its horrible side effects like sexism, speciesism, bigotry, and slavery. History is littered with bigots trying to make excuses and using the holy word of the big cheese. Uh, big cheese. And commit atrocities, profit and slave the next big weekend. Cheese. Yeah, I know. We're, I just got thick on cheese. We're so professional here. <laughs> To commit atrocities, profit and enslave his next of kin. From the slaves of the South to First Nations residential schools, nobody was spared from God's word. Even a decade after the Human Genome Project should have put an end to it all, when the director of the project declared, there is only one race, the human race. The religious cultural impact of racism still holds sway and finds every new targets to discharge its hate at. Dark-skinned people yesterday, sexually oriented different people today. Do you still wonder why equal rights are still opposed by conservative religious groups today? They were just like they were back when MLK walked the streets. As long as society and its cultural mind is being held bound by the shackles of faith, we can expect no end to this primitive fear based on superstitious belief. Reason and science are the key to our mind's liberation, and education is the hand which holds the key. Do not let the imaginary sky daddy of some people create fear in your mind with lofty promises of rewards or threats of retaliation for disobedience. You already knew this as a child. There's only one human race, and above us, only sky. <laughs> well, we're coming to the end of our show, but before we end, I want to give you guys one last chance of working these fine people listening right now. Where can they find you? Well, uh, Kevin, they can find us at www.cycling, the number four, numeric four, diversity.ca. Again, www.cycling, the number four, uh, cycling4diversity.ca. They can find you on Facebook too, I'm assuming? Yes. Uh, our like page is Cycling for Diversity Foundation. Um, it's there, and our email is cyclingfordiversity at gmail.com. Oh, excellent. And, um, you know, feel free to um, like us, follow us, we're active, join us. Come we and ride with us. Yeah, and, you know, it's a lot of fun. We've had, uh, this is, um, you know, this is only a one-time thing. I, only, I just, was one, I was going to do it one time <laughs> in 2011. <laughs> I said, you know what, I, I do it once, and then I, I met some people, and I said, this is actually a great idea. A great concept, and you know, people said, you know, I think we need to continue on this message, and yeah. I'm very grateful for that. You know, people, you know, there's a lot of fear out there. Oh, people are bad and all that stuff, but I, I like to think the opposite. People are great. Yeah. People have really stepped up, and um, you know, and Mission Abbotsford um, have stepped up in huge ways to support us. Even though you know we talk about challenges and everything, our communities are very wonderful. Uh, local businesses that you know can you will give you food for the trip, will help you out this way. And, you know, it's great because, you know, this is home, right? And this is yeah. where everything starts. And we should be very proud of that. Both yeah. Mission and Abbotsford, that we go long ways to deliver a message. And almost 
almost 80% of the team is from the local areas. Huh. What a very it, positive message to isn't finish. Isn't it nice to have a positive thing about missing instead of negative news? <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> well, thank you guys for doing well, that. Well, thanks, Karen. You know, Kevin, you guys got a great program. Oh, I, I encourage all the people listening who... I owe well, you 100 bucks now. Countdown <laughs> here. It's a gift to humanity. I'm just taking us out. <laughs> a gift to humanity. Oh, my God. I hope you guys come back in the future. Yeah. Well, well thanks, great. thank you for coming. Too. Karen, where can the people find oh, us? Fun. People that want to, you know, it's a dungeon flatter now. us like they, like they did. <laughs> I love the dungeon down here. <laughs> I know this one's flattering. We want all opinions so we can always improve yes, and, and uh, expand. Love mail, hate mail. Send it to um, us. I, let me see. You can uh, go to our website, www.leftatthevalley.com. Uh, you can go to, you can email us at Actually, yeah. <laughs> left, left <laughs> at valley at outlook dot com. Left so at left, valley. Left at at valley at outlook dot com. That's right, and you can find us on Facebook as well. You can look up our web page. You can send us your love mail, your hate mail, and who knows? You want a story? You want us to play or talk about? Send us a, a something. Well, thank um, you guys for coming. Thanks, Kevin, thank Karen. You, thank, thank you so much. You. Great to have you. Until next time, out there, guys. Take it easy.